Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You know, I think about some of the names from last year's defense for this Huskies team. Thompson, Shelton, Kikaha, Peters, all those guys. They're, they're gone, Yogi. They're going to be playing on Sundays. Get me excited, though, about what's left on that side of the football. I'm really a little worried about some things. Fair to describe it as an adjustment year in year number one, and now in year number two, a rebuilding year? He's got to identify his talent. He's got to figure out who he has that fits within what he does. He, he's not grandfathered in anymore. The money turned into a monster. The money turned into noodles and a pasta. The money turned into tuna and a lobster. They want to do me, I'm a new lag of mustard. Third and ten. Garden Hire stepped in, and how about this Washington defense early? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, and good night. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, the one and only, Anthony Denmark. Denmark's like the country. And as, of course, since sports never stops, since sports never sleeps, I consider it my duty. I consider it my responsibility. Heck, I consider it my calling from the football gods to let you guys know what's happening, what's up in the world of sports. I'm happy to have you guys on to listen, and I can honestly say that I am looking forward to today's show. Uh, We have a lot of things on tap for today's show. We're going to continue our countdown to kickoff series, of course, where we have guests come on from all over the country to share their insights, to share their passion, to express to my listeners why this will be their year to either, one, duplicate the success of last season, or either, two, get the bitter taste of defeat that, of course, so many people want to forget that occurred last season. Uh, we've been fortunate to have a lot of guests come on today's show, and uh, that's going to continue throughout the season. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to go from coast to coast, like Jim Harbaugh, and instead of a satellite camp, we're going to be uh, sharing the insights and expertise of uh, writers and experts uh, covering your favorite team. And I'm excited. So on today's show, of course, we're going to talk. Our tour takes us to the Washington Huskies. The Washington Huskies, of course, did not have a season uh, that they, of course, are proud of. But 
they find themselves seeing the flavor of the wheat. They find themselves seeing the darlings of the country, at least out in the West, uh, that are poised to do or have the potential to do uh, good things this upcoming season. But we interrupt this show for a breaking news. Breaking news, number topic number one. Kevin Durant signed with the Golden State Warriors. And, of course, although we specifically talk about college football, I'll be remiss if I did not give my thoughts or insights. My opinion on the matter is this. Hey, you know, if you had an opportunity to get a better job in a better place in a better location where you didn't have to do as much work, but yet you were able to yield the same dividends of possibly winning a championship, wouldn't you do it too? Why work hard when you can work smart? For nine years, Kevin Durant played for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He did great things, not only for the community, but also for the organization. Took an organization that was once uh, a cellar dweller and helped them and led them to uncharted territories. Now, of course, it did not end with a championship, but they definitely did have right days. And, you know, in my own honest opinion, I think that, you know, Kevin Durant has the right to choose where he wants to go. And to all my listeners out there that works nine to five like myself, we do realize that we dream of the opportunity of being able to work, get paid, but yet not have to work as hard, being able to rely on our teammates or, or in our senses, our colleagues to be able to help carry the load. And in this sense, why would you you had the choice of having one person to be able to help you carry the load as opposed to having three uh, all-NBA players help carry the load. I think you guys would also choose the three. So to my listeners out there who agree, hey, you know how it is. To my listeners out there here, do not uh, ask yourself to think about your job situation and if, in fact, you had a chance to work in a better work environment where you did not have to work as hard and also have the opportunity to get paid as much would you take it? And back to college football, my love, my passion, my heart, the fuel that drives me from day in to day out, from one courtroom to the next. Breaking news, number two. Sonny Michelle, at this particular time, the leading rusher for the Georgia Bulldogs, he had a weekend to forget as Sonny Michelle broke his arm in an ATV accident. Now, of course, we do know that there is 61 days until the season starts, so that should give him enough time to be able to heal. But it definitely makes you think about the risks that come along with these athletes. Every day, every hour, coaches are nervously hoping that they see their players come to practice. They're nervously watching the Twitter, the Twitter and the Twitter's world to try to see if, in fact, their player be able to make it through the weekend unscathed. Now, of course, you know, Sonny Michelle uh, was going to be relied on heavily to be able to help lighten the load for Nick Chubb, who's also returning uh, from a catastrophic knee injury. Now, Nick Chubb is expected to be able to return. According to reports, Nick Chubb is ahead of schedule. But we do not expect him to be able to take on that workload on his own, and we expected Sonny Michelle to help ease in that workload. But now you're going to have two running backs uh, covering from injuries. So in this particular sense, we are going to expecting Elijah Holyfield, yes, the son of Evander Holyfield, uh, to be able to come in and be able to help uh, reduce the load to try to help these talented yet injured stars uh, be able to get over the hump. But, hey, in good news, at least there were no more Georgia Bulldogs suspended. 
least there were no more Georgia Bulldogs arrested or cited for stupid stuff. So, hey, you know, I guess it's a way to look at the glass half full. In other news, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I tell you, boy, this Laramie Tunzel story never ceases to amaze. It always shocking from the draft night debacle where his account was uh, broken into to the incidents of him actually telling on himself on draft night. The situation continues to get even worse as his former stepfather actually wrote a story, was a part of a story uh, that was in the CSI magazine pretty much detailing how the money exchanged his hands and how, in fact, uh, the NCAA violations actually took place. Now, the funny thing about this is even though this is now widespread news, there's no secret, we haven't heard anything from Ole Miss. Now, of course, you know, um, as I say in life, as I say in sports with this story, of course, it could just be speculation. It could, in fact, just be lies. Just think about it. You know, he's on the outside looking in. He's not getting any, he's not getting broke off any bread, which is also maybe the reason why he's, uh, why he's filed a defamation lawsuit against his own stepson. But, of course, that's breaking news. What else we got? Staying with, that, staying with football, one of the other things that I found interesting today, a story that I found, it says that at Penn State University, uh, 200 former players covering five decades of the Joe Paterno era filed a petition uh, to the school asking for the Penn State statue of Joe Paterno to return. Now, of course, everybody has their own particular feelings about this issue. It's a very sensitive issue, and I think it's a huge gray area, which, of course, puts the school in a very uh, peculiar situation. Do we, because at the end of the day, there's no way to get definitive answers about All you can really do is speculate. Did Joe Paterno know? Could he have known? Should he have known? And uh, did he turn a blind eye? There's no way to answer these questions. In my own honest and earnest opinion, I can't see or explore a situation where the board at Penn State would find themselves yet again in a bad situation of putting a statue up, because it's putting the statue of Joe Paterno back up, because it sends a bad message to the victims, who, and that message would be that football is more important than uh, reporting incidences of sexual assault. Continuing the trend about sexual assault, another story recently broke. Uh, according to uh, the Associated Press, um, the University of Tennessee settled their lawsuit, their Title IX lawsuit, with the victims for, I believe, $2.9 million. Now, I ask this question. Is it a coincidence that this happened uh, less than 61 days until the college football season opens? Right now, the Tennessee Volunteers find themselves with probably one of the most talented teams that has had, period, in a long time. Expectations could not be higher. To a degree, I'm kind of disappointed that this suit was settled because I feel as if it's not – money is not going to be able to address this issue. We do know that University of Tennessee has boosters who have money upon money upon money. And $2.9 million, in my own opinion, is not going to be enough to be able to address this issue. Now, I'm hopeful that the university takes steps to ensure uh, that – Violate, alleged allegations of this sort do not occur on their campus. One of the things that I found very refreshing was that at, at LSU, 
uh, Les Miles has mandated that his players take a, a sexual awareness class in an effort to try to boost awareness and, of course, reduce the incidences of similar incidences of what took place at Baylor and also what took place and uh, allegedly took place at other universities across the country. So that's definitely a story to watch. I think although the suit was settled for $2.9 million, it definitely does not resolve the ongoing issue. Sexual assault is a huge problem at colleges and universities around the country. It's not just limited to the football team, but because the football team gets the biggest limelight, it's going to be imperative that these universities take extra steps to ensure that uh, there's no more victims. Because at the end of the day, the victims are the one who suffers. Who cares about the programs? Who cares about the coaches? Who cares about the players? The players are only one small element of the entire university. Uh, Ohio State is a campus that has over 35,000 students, and the football team only has about 135. So 135 out of 35. Let's remember who's important here. The student body as a whole is important, and I hope that boosters and also I hope that administrators don't forget that. And, of course, uh, wraps up our breaking news segment. Uh, the breaking news segment is brought to you guys by EatDrinkSixSports.com. That's E-A-T-D-R-N-K-S-L-P-S-P-R-T-Z.com. No, it's not spelled the Webster's way. It's spelled the Denmark way. Check out the website. I have a couple of previews up. I will be posting some another one to come in the upcoming future, so be sure to check it out. Leave your thoughts. If you agree, hey, I'm brilliant. If you don't, hey, I'm still brilliant. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, on our compound of kickoff show today, we have a lot of things on tap. Before we have our guests come on, uh, I want to preview this upcoming season. This upcoming season, of course, we have everybody's so-called favorites. Hey, you know, that's nice. We have our so-called blue bloods. We have our so-called surefire teams are going to always find themselves in the top five, everybody's so-called favorite to contend for championships. But you know what, yo? That is boring. That is being – that shows a lack of creativity. There's one thing that we know, time in and time out, although we will be able to have certain teams that will definitely be there, there are always teams that find themselves creeping up. And uh, in continuing our theme with our dark horse, dark horses for this upcoming season, I found myself going through each conference, and I found myself looking at certain teams that I found or that I believe about now but to find themselves being the talk of the town uh, near the season's end. Since ACC starts with A, A is an apple, I went ahead and started with them. Now, of course, when you talk about the ACC, everybody's going to talk about Deshaun Watson, which, of course, is reasonably so. According to Heisman IT and Leonard Fournette are the favorites to win the Heisman. Of course, they found themselves within one game of winning the national championship. And, of course, you know, when you talk about them, the next thing everybody's going to talk about is Florida State. And Florida State's talent is beyond riches. Unlike other prominent programs, when you say that your starting quarterback goes down in Sean McGuire and you have a guy in Francois who's a redshirt freshman who's never taken a snap, who's already being talked about as being the starter, and Sean McGuire did what he did this past season, that definitely says something about talent. But despite those obvious choices to win the ACC, when I looked at the ACC, I found myself looking – I like the challenge. I found myself looking at Louisville. Now, Louisville, of course, going into his – well, I guess his second year of the uh, Bobby Petrino era. Now, of course, Bobby Petrino is now back there for his second time. 
humbled and hopefully learned his lesson. His team, of course, you know, put a scare in Louis A. Clemson, put a scare in Florida State. But when it came down to it in the late half of the fourth quarter, they found themselves coming up short. But last year, they did pretty good in this, season, in this first season. Eight and five in Bobby Petrino's complicated offense when they didn't know who their quarterback was. That's actually nothing to really to blow your nose at. I said blow your nose. It sounds weird. But anyhow, I like the Louisville offense. I like the fact that they've now found their quarterback. Lamar Jackson, of course, did his thing against the SEC defense in the bowl game this past season, throwing for over 200 yards, running for over 200 yards, and now he finds himself in a lot of people's conversations for dark horse. Another great story in Louisville is also the play, remarkable play, of Devontae Fields. You may say, Devontae Fields, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, Devontae Fields started his career at TCU. He, of course, was voted to be defensive player of the year. He won defensive player of the year his first year. And, of course, he found himself in some trouble. But, you know, it's a remarkable story when a person's able to overcome uh, their struggles. And uh, Devontae Fields definitely did overcome his struggles. He had a remarkable season uh, last year at Louisville. And it seems as if, you know, that he leads that defense. And I'm really excited to see uh, what Bobby Petrino does with Lamar Jackson in his second year in the system and also on the defensive side of the ball under Todd Grantham with his uh, transfer boys from UGA who have done remarkably uh, in their second stint. It seems as if Louisville, Louisville is the land of second chances. And thus far, although they did have an 8-5 and five season and finished on a remarkable note against the SEC defense, I'm really poised to see what they do in their second year. I'm really poised, I'm really intrigued to see uh, what um, what they do along regards to what they do ultimately in the fourth quarter because ultimately that's where games are won or lost. And ultimately, that's why they lost uh, this past season. Now, of course, one of my other dark horses are the in the in the uh, Pac-12 is the uh, Washington Huskies. Washington Huskies, of course, is funny. Their conference record was formed. They finished the season seven and six. But everybody's now talking about the Washington Huskies supposedly being a dark horse to win back win the Pac-12. Now, you may say to yourself, why, oh, why are they a dark horse? How can you finish your conference below 500 and now be the flavor of week that everybody's talking about to be able to do great things this upcoming season? Now, of course, to get the answers to these questions, you can, of course, hear me gabble. But I would much rather have somebody else uh, share their insights on uh, the uh, Washington Huskies have the luxury, I have the pleasure. We have a guest come on. His name is uh, Jack Foleman. He covers the Washington Huskies for the UWDogPound.com. So let's go ahead and get him on the line and find out uh, what's happening and what's up with these uh, Washington Huskies. Hey, thanks for having me on. Welcome to the show. Now, of course, you know, uh, this upcoming season, uh, the Washington Huskies find themselves to the town at least um, – based off of what everybody is guessing. The talent, of course, is there. The, the last year, the, the the Washington Huskies, of course, went through their growing pains. Of course, they had to break in uh, a lot of talented yet inexperienced players. I want to first, of course, turn my attention on the offense. Now, of course, Jake Browning, of course, had a little Jekyll and Mr. Hyde uh, last season. He was great against Washington State when he threw for 435 yards. 
but then he was completely god-awful when he played against Arizona State. Now, what should we expect for Jake Browning going into his second season? I think you're you're going to see, you know, some more some more of that progression. Probably more of what you're going to you saw against Washington State uh, as opposed to Arizona State. As the season went on, he you know, he started out very very slowly. I mean, as most uh, true freshmen started, the quarterback would. But as the season went on, you saw him kind of take the reins off a little bit. And I think in those off games, you saw too down the road a little bit of that was learning, you know, when to throw the ball away and try not to make a play. And I think he's going to, you know, after another offseason of getting ready to be the starter, I think they're going to see a more improvement in that as well. Now, one of the things that's wonderful about uh, Washington is the fact that, you know, last season they broke in uh, three new starters, of course, at quarterback and also on the offensive line. And in spite of those new pieces being added, uh, they were able to, of course, experience their growing pains, but of course, it was helped significantly uh, by the play of their running back in um, Haskins, who uh, ran for 1,300 yards, even though he only started six games. Amazing. Yeah, he, uh, Miles Gaskins, he came in as a, you know, a, a pretty nice recruit, but not a guy I think anyone saw running for 1,300 yards in the season, especially when he came out of the gate really slow and didn't even really get that many carries. But when the season went on, he just, you know, he became a monster and was just racking up uh, racking up yardage. And he's a really unique back who is listed at 5'9", I think 195, but he might be about 5'6 and a half, 5'7". And it, it doesn't show because he's a really powerful back between the tackles. And at the same time, if he gets a seam, he can also bust the pig. So he's a really well-rounded back for being a smaller uh, tailback. Now, again, I'm on the line with Jack Foleman. He writes for UW Dog Pound uh, for SB Nation. Now, of course, you know, there are little questions about the offensive line, which, of course, is now more experienced, and, of course, at quarterback and at running back. But there are some questions at wide receiver. Now, we do know that uh, their returning uh, starter, their returning leading receiver, uh, only had uh, 394 yards of receiving this past season and one touchdown. Uh, where can we expect the Huskies to go for in regards to getting a vertical threat downfield? Yeah, they're really counting on uh, John Ross to be that deep threat. He missed all of last year with the ACL tear, but the year before that, he was their big player receiver. He timed in at, I think, a 4.24 in spring, uh, 40 time in, in spring, and is one of the better uh, kick returners in the Pac-12. So he had that uh, elite, elite speed that they're going to hope comes back healthy and opens up that part of the game they didn't have last year of testing defenses deep. And he can really do that. I think uh, 2014, his per catch average was something somewhere around 20 yards. So he's a big play receiver as long as he comes back firing on all cylinders. Absolutely. Ross, of course, uh, is a rare breed because the thing that I found when I was looking at some of you guys' articles on their website was he actually came back faster because <laughs> he actually yeah, ran, a yeah. four two, he ran a four two five uh, this pro day season, but last year he ran a four two nine. So very few players actually get injured and come back faster. He is definitely a rare breed. According uh, to NFL.com, he was actually rated as the 15th fastest player in the country, which is amazing. But of course, we do yeah. know that when we talk about 
uh, when we talk about uh, the Washington Huskies, I know for me one of the things I think about is their defense. They call them death row. To my listeners, educate them on what the death row defense is about. It's a defense that last year really shocked the world because they lost, I think, three guys in the first round of the NFL draft, four in the first two, and they came back somehow uh, even better last year in 2015, and that's a defense that is – Really, really, really especially talented in the back four where you have two cornerbacks uh, and Kevin King and Sidney Jones and the safety of Booth Baker, who might be the best trio of defensive backs in the country. And then you have a front seven that, you know, is, is good full overshadowed by the defensive backs, but they shouldn't. Uh, led by Azim Victor at, at middle linebacker, who is kind of the intimidator of the team and is one of the more, you know, fearsome players in the Pac-12, big hitters, uh, big, big linebackers. And up front, they have a lot of depth that they haven't had in recent years, led by a guy, uh, Elijah Qualls, who is, uh, I think he's listed as like 6'2", 320 now, but he's going to play defensive end. And he was on track to be to be one of the leaders in the conference last year in sacks and tackles for loss before he got banged up and missed a bunch of games down the stretch. But, yeah, that defense, uh, it was Statistically, probably the best overall, maybe in the Pac-12 last year, one of the best in the country. And they don't lose much, so there's no reason to think they shouldn't be right up there again next year. I mean, I totally agree with you. I thought it was a complete travesty that uh, Coach K uh, did not win the the Broyles Award, which, of course, goes to uh, the best assistant coach in the country. I mean, considering uh, the turnover uh, that the Washington Huskies had last season, uh, going from three first-round picks to none. I mean, it was remarkable to consider the fact that their defense actually improved from 56 in the nation all the way to leading the Pac-10, Pac-12, excuse me, in uh, points uh, per game at 18.8. Now, of course, excuse me, one of the things that's awesome about Washington is, you know, um, every year you find the Washington Huskies, especially during the, the Chris Peterson era, always having an unheralded player or a non-starter find themselves becoming a primetime playmaker in the Huskies' defense or an offense. Who could we expect to uh, be a no-name now who may find himself being the talk of the town in Washington? Yeah, during spring practice, there was a, actually one of those, you know, unknown receivers that was making a lot of noise was a sophomore named Kiko McClatcher, he uh, he's a really really he's another really small guy. I think he's listed at five seven or five eight, one seventy five ish. But he's a burner, and on top of that, he's an all around playmaker. I think he ran. He's a receiver, but I think he ran for four or five touchdowns last year on fly sweeps and reverses. And uh, the word is coming out of spring practices that he really stepped up as a as a downfield threat and as a, a pure pass catcher as well. But still has that speed and kind of that squirrely ability that once he gets on open space to take it all the way for a touchdown. So watch out for him to kind of be a jack of all trades on the offense for the Huskies when they need a, a big play that maybe the other the, the opponent doesn't see coming. Again, I'm on the line with Jack Foleman. He writes for UWDogtown.com with SB Station. Now, we do know, I'm sure you hear the chatter, everybody's talking about uh, the Washington Huskies possibly being a dark horse to win the entire Pac-12, which, of course, you look at the Pac-12 conference overall, it's a down year. A lot of, they lost a lot of senior leadership and lost a lot of players in the upcoming draft. Now, of course, we do know that everybody wants to find themselves 
being able to participate in the Tournament of Roses. But ultimately, what will be considered a successful season uh, for Chris Pearson entering into his uh, third year? I think if they get to 10 wins, it'll be the first time the program's gotten to 10 wins since 2000. So it's been a long, long time since they've hit that marker. And I think if they get there, that's going to mean that they might not win the Pac-12 North, but they're going to be right in the hunt for it. And that's kind of the next step as far as the program goes, as far as kind of that, you know, with that climb to getting back to being an elite program is. They don't have to necessarily take over Stanford or maybe Oregon this year, but they they want to be right there with those guys and, you know, be taking it down to the last week or two of the season. And I think that'll, with what they have coming back, that'll be a, a, a really huge step in the right direction and also set them up for, a similar run, maybe taking to the next level the year after. Yeah, this upcoming season is going to be one definitely for the ages. I know that one of the things on my bucket list is I want to be able to go and spellgate at Washington. I want to thank you again uh, for coming on to the show. And I want to lastly tell my listeners where they could uh, check out your latest articles and also follow you on Twitter. Yeah, you can check me out on uh, Pacific Cakes. Uh, that's the SB Nation Pack 12 site, or UW Dog Pound, which is uh, the, the Washington uh, SB Nation site. And then you can check me on Twitter. It's just my name, at Jack Fullman. I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I look forward to talking to you uh, throughout the season to talk, uh, give me a status report on uh, the state of the Huskies. Thank you so much. Look forward to it. Now, I want to, I want to thank Jack Fullman for coming on to the show. He's actually been one of my guests that's come on uh, – since I started my countdown to kickoff series. So I really appreciate uh, him taking out some time uh, to share his insight and his thoughts. Now, of course, you know, my own opinion of the Washington Huskies, I look at them as being young pups. They definitely do have the talent to be able to win the Pac-12 conference. However, one of the things that we do know, especially in regards to what's needed for a program to be able to take a next step, is definitely depth. And I think that uh, Chris Peterson has done a wonderful job thus far. And it just makes you ask that one question. Uh, is this going to be the year for the Washington Huskies, or are they uh, a year away from uh, being a year away? Because think about it. I mean, Jack Browning is only a sophomore. Gaskin is only a sophomore as well. And the offensive line is only going to continue to grow and mesh and get better. And we know that Chris Peterson is doing a wonderful job on the recruiting trail. They have two five-star offensive tackles who uh, may be calling – Washington home next season. So it's going to be something very tantalizing to watch. We've seen what Chris Peterson has done with less talent. Now we're seeing him build and mold this program into his own identity with even better talent. If he can, in fact, go to BCS Bowls and have seven consecutive 10-win seasons in Boise with less talent, I'm more than sure that we can expect the same for Chris Peterson. The only question is, will that expectation be met this year or so we have to continue to wait for the next upcoming season. But, again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, of course, continuing my dark horses, uh, one of my dark horses is a dark horse that you guys are going to laugh at. The dark horse that I had selected for the SEC was Les Miles. Now, you may say, why is Les Miles a, a dark horse? His team – continually win, has 10 wins every season. The only thing they continually always not be able to do, at least for the past five seasons, is be Alabama. And that is the reason why they are the dark horse. 
whenever you are a team that are in, a, in the same conference, in the same division as a five-time national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide, you find yourself always being overlooked. Now, I know from a talent perspective, I know from a depth perspective, LSU comes second to none. However, when it comes to the development and the questions that the LSU Tigers had at quarterback, you have questions. Now, you look at all the weapons that they have at their disposal, and it is just god-awful. I mean, of course you got Fournette, but Fournette's not the only running back they have in the backfield. They have another dynamic super soft who's going to do excellent things this upcoming season. They have a, 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 a nice core of receivers who are going to be getting paid to play next year, led by Malachi Dupree. They, of course, have great defense. They have actually one of the things that was an exception to LSU this past season. They have a lot of returning starters. They had a lot of seniors who decided to say no to the NFL and decided to come back just one more time. I don't know if they did it to improve their stock or if they did it to look out for the best interest of the Mad Hatter, who at this particular point has reached a point in his career, he's reached a threshold in his program where 10-2 and two is just not going to be enough. I truly wonder if LSU was to beat Alabama, but let's say lose to Ole Miss or Texas A&M since a successful season. They have the talent to do good things, but since they're in the conference with the reigning national champion, the reigning SEC champion, they, in my mind, are considered a dark horse. Now, who are some other dark horses? Of course, we're going to stick specifically with the Power Five. Now, of course, in the Big 12, Big 8, it's not really 12, but they call it 12, but they're going to expand or give a, an announcement on expansion on July 19th, so we're going to find out if maybe the 8 that was 10 will eventually be 12, <laughs> whatever. Nevertheless, we're going to find out very soon, quickly, about the state of the Big 12. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, everybody's pick is Oklahoma, which is wisely so. Oklahoma, of course, returns uh, Baker Mayfield, who, of course, also got another year of eligibility thanks to the Big 12 looking out for their own best interest. You don't want them to transfer to Clemson, do you? Nevertheless, um, Oklahoma, of course, is the most talented team in the Big 12, but come on, guys. Come on, ladies. we got to pick a team that's going to be a dark horse in the conference. And at first, my dark horse was going to be Baylor, but I just honestly think about everything that's surrounding that program, that at some point, some form of distraction, some form of dissension, with the uncertainty of the coaching staff, and do you really believe it was just Art Browse working alone in concert with nobody else? No, I don't think so either. I think at some point some of those Baylor coaches will find themselves dismissed, resigning, or taking some type of disappearance. We're not, not going to know what happened to them. They're just going to be gone. But nevertheless, the dark horse um, that I picked uh, for the Big 12, um, what did I pick? Let's look at it. Was TCU. Now, I know that TCU, of course, lost their starting quarterback in Trevon Boykins, who's now, of course, uh, Fighting for a roster spot, actually uh, fighting to be the second the second string quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. And I know that uh, Dotson is down in Washington uh, doing the same thing, uh, combining with Deshaun Jackson and all those other boys down in Washington uh, to make a dynamic wide receiver combo. But still, when you look at the TCU Horn Frogs, yes, they do have to replace Dotson, which I think is irreplaceable. But also, they do have some talent coming back. I like Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill, of course, did his thing at least for a while uh, with his parents' trademark, Kenny Trill, uh, while during his time at Texas A&M. 
now, of course, humbled, now, of course, hungry. He, of course, is battling uh, for the starting quarterback uh, with Sawyer, who's also had a year of experience in the offense. So I'm really intrigued to see how this TCU offense looks. And although people may have questions about the defense, come on, y'all. Gary Patterson is the coach. Gary Patterson is the defensive coordinator. So despite the fact that they were decimated by injuries this past season, it provided a wonderful opportunity for a lot of inexperienced players, yet talented, uh, to uh, get some experience. And now they find themselves going into this upcoming season being a defensive-led team. And let's be real, although we love the razzle-dazzle and high-octane offense of TCU that we've seen this past two seasons, Gary Patterson has brought the TCU program up to the point of relevance, and I'm on the cusp of being elite based solely off of his defensive mindset. So I'm expecting the defense to be able to be awesome. Now, will the TCU offense be able to continue its high-octane ways? Of course, with Meacham and Sonny Cumbie still in the fold as offensive coordinator and assistant offensive coordinator, I expect them to have a couple of bumps along the road. But with uh, Kenny Trail leading the, leading the helm, ready to throw, I'm expecting them to be a possible dark horse. Remember you heard it here first uh, with uh, Countdown to Kickoff with your boy Anthony Denmark. Denmark like the country. Now, of course, we did cover the Pac-12. Of course, we did cover the SEC. But, of course, we forgot the Big Ten. Now, of course, last week on my show I did have a guest come on to talk about the Michigan State Spartans. And I think, in my own opinion, it would be disrespectful to call them a dark horse. You don't win 11, 11 games this past season. You don't have the consecutive amounts of success in Big Ten championships that be considered a dark horse. So I refuse to go that way. Because, like I said on last week's show, I put some respect on the name of Mark D'Antonio. So my dark horse uh, for Nebraska, my dark horse for the Big Ten, it's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, of course, uh, finished last season six and seven. But when you look at that six and seven, it is actually quite deceiving. The six and seven Nebraska Cornhuskers found themselves suffering due to the fate of the football guys. It just wasn't their day. They found themselves falling short in a hail mary by Mangum against BYU. They found themselves losing in an overtime game against Miami. They found themselves losing a lot of heartbreakers and losing a lot of games that you traditionally don't see this team lose. And I'm looking forward to seeing um, how um, Coach Riley does in his second season. He's done a wonderful job. He, of course, has Armstrong back at quarterback, who I swear has been there for 10 years. He may have bachelor's degrees and be working on his master's at this particular point. But I'm really looking forward to seeing the Nebraska Cornhuskers be able to turn around because it is no way in Hades. No ways the football gods will be able to fire themselves, turning their back on them for two consecutive seasons. So that's my dark horse for the Big Ten, and I'll give you my dark horses for all the Power Five conferences. No disrespect to the non-Power Five, but we do know that ultimately a championship will be crowned, and more likely than not it will find itself coming out of one of these Power Five conferences. Now, will one of these dark horses slip up? Very possible. Will one of these dark horses have the talent, the potential to do great things and find themselves being one of many to be considered late in the season? That, my friend, is also very, very possible. So those are my dark horses.
Now, of course, as I bring my show to a close, we have now less than 60 days until the college football season comes to an end. And, you know, when you think about it, I am excited. When I open my show, I open my show with a, with a hype video from the from the Dog Pound Death Row Defense hype video. And I can honestly tell you that I'm excited. I'm looking forward to the upcoming season, and I'm more than sure that my listeners are listening to, are looking forward to it as well. One of the things I definitely want to find myself talking about as I close is we talked about NBA free agency. And you may say, Denmark, this is college football. There's no, in, there's no free agency. And I say, ah, actually, there is. This past season, 65 players transferred. 65 players transferred to different programs. So you may say, but hey, they're not getting paid. But guess what? Just like Kevin Durant found himself transferring or signing with a different team, providing a better opportunity for himself, 66, excuse me, no, 68 uh, college football players transferred with those same thoughts in mind. Because at the end of the day, although we have aspirations and thoughts of being able to win, we all think that we should go the tough way to be able to do it. But at the end of the day, we really want to be able to provide the best opportunity for ourselves, not only to be able to have a memorable college experience, but also provide the biggest stage where we'll be able to showcase our talents to the world. And we're going to really get an opportunity this upcoming season to see a lot of transfer players capitalize on those opportunities. We're going to see if um, Edding, the transfer quarterback from Purdue, can be able to capitalize on this opportunity after transferring to LSU. We're going to see if Appleby and Del Rio will be able to capitalize on their opportunities of transferring for both Oregon State to go to Florida. We're going to get an opportunity to see if Trevor Knight, who transferred from Oklahoma to Texas A&M, can be able to capitalize on their opportunities. This season is all about opportunity. And for all those people out there who have negative things to say about free agents capitalizing on those opportunities, I wonder if, in fact, those particular players or pro athletes transferred or signed with your program, would you feel the same? As I bring my show to a close, again, I want to thank my listener, Jack Coleman, for coming on. I want to tell you guys to remember that sports gives us an opportunity to take a time out of life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing us out. I want to thank you guys for taking a break with me. And remember, stay tuned to sports. I know I will. Don't get too comfortable. Peace.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.